You're listening to the Gab Street Podcast, Columbus, Ohio's number one podcast for underground talent. Every week we have new conversations with interesting individuals who contribute to the Columbus economy and its lively culture. You may find just what you're looking for right in your backyard. Let's get right into it. And then, um... Thank you. Oh, gosh. Aesop Rock right there. Yeah. Possible kid? I should probably have a little more Aesop Rock, considering how, like, how much of him is part of me as well. Yeah. But I have, like, three sweatshirts of him in the closet there. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> really, really Extremely good. talented. Yeah. I'm, like... Kind of, like, mind-blowing. Like, change yeah. the game a little bit. Yeah. yeah, he's an ultimate wordsmith. Yes. Yes. The fucking graph where they're like the wordiness per album of artists or whatever, mm-hmm. and everybody's over here, and that's just a yeah. rock on this side of the corner. Yeah, so. I got into him, Open Mike Eagle, and oh, Milo. Yeah. Okay. I, don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. I love Milo. I met Milo once. Open Mike Eagle yeah. was an interesting artist. Yeah, he is. For... He's actually really cool. I've actually like talked to him oh, really? a little oh, cool. bit. Yeah, he like he like follows the band like. Tight because like I went to one of his shows at um, Space Bar and we talked afterwards. Yeah, and that was Flyover Fest. Nothing. And then um, yeah, it's. Is that like making fun of the fact that Columbus is a flyover city? Or I what? think so. <laughs> I think so. And it's then that's so what we try to prove yes, on the show here. Milo played at um, at Wexner Center. Okay. They had a crazy amount of security, which was like super racist. Because it was literally just because, like, it's a rapper at an art museum. And he was just, like, cussing him out the whole time. He was, like, hitting, you know, like, he was, like, smoking bloods. He was, like, fuck you guys. And also, like, but the funny thing was, is, like, his crowd was all just, like, philosophy majors at OSU. <laughs> like, nobody was, like, a suspect in that crowd. But they had so much security. It was so dumb. He made... Probably the most memorable first impression on me that anyone has ever made. Where every time, like he he dabbed me up several times, but let me Oof. let me give you an example of what he did. Brandon. He would do this, yeah, and then snap. Oh, while what my a hand move. was in his hand, and I was what like, "What the fuck just happened to me? I don't understand." Wait, hold on. Damn. That was that was Chris, by the way. That was really loud. You know what I'm saying? Um, that, that, <laughs> that, together. that definitely peaked the yeah. microphone. Um, <laughs> for sure. It's like, no, it's a good dap. It's like peaking the mic. But he was just what like, hey, what's, what's good, man? He just do that and snap. And I'm like, I, you gotta have long fingers. You're yeah, a wizard. You you're a fucking wizard. I'm gonna wizard. remember you for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, it was at Senseless's uh, release show. Wow. For, uh, yeah, whatever EP. So that, that was so in like cool. winter 2017 or something. But. That was cool. Um, let's get to why we're here today. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We usually have just a little bit of like you know yeah. banter at the beginning. That's fine. We're all professional here at the, <laughs> at the Gab Street Podcast. We have a returning co-host for the third time. Something like that. Something like that. Oh, Mega. Omega Rift, <laughs> my man. In the flesh. In the flesh. I am here. And we have Kenzie Coin of. Hello, Luna. In fact, the front <laughs> singer for Hello, Luna. Hello, hello. Say hello. Yes. We, uh, <laughs> we coordinated this a little while ago. I'm really excited to uh, dig deep into you know, the history yeah, of the band and figuring out who is actually in it. Yes. And not... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it can be confusing at times. Now, before we begin, 
uh, I must say, we are sponsored for this episode by Revolter Pictures. You've known Alex. He's co-hosted a couple episodes. And Bill Shaft, a 19-year-old rapper from the city. You will hear messages from both of them in the center of this episode at the halfway break. Cool. So, we are sponsored on Gap Street. Yeah, yeah. Bill Shaft. Yeah. Cool. That's a cool name. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I think I thought it was pretty I'm cool. interested to hear his tunes. It's with a dollar sign at the beginning. Ooh. So. Ooh. It's very rapper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Classic rap shit. That's very rapper. It's cool. It's cool. So, Hello Luna released Dear Demons last fall is that correct so it's actually this fall this fall well no this, this we, past we're in 2020 we're in 2020 so. people keep saying last year and i'm like what no it's still the same year no <laughs> you're right it was last fall um yeah so we released it um in november and uh that was super fun that was it was a long time coming we've been sitting on those songs for roughly two years so we Dang. put out Ghost of You, um, I believe it was 2017. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so we started writing immediately after that. And the process is we went into like demo a bunch of songs and we were working our butts off. So we were just like, I had written a lot of music during that time. And we finally got to a point where we're like, okay, here's like, 20 songs we narrowed it down to like i think it was like the top 10 and then it turned into the top three mm. so yeah, show them your mug real quick by the way oh like yeah yeah, yeah. check this out it's very fitting <laughs> for me it says this guy is one awesome husband <laughs> and i sure am that is just facts right there i opened the mug coverage she's like that one i want that i one. know it's like i need this one and then I saw what it said, and I was like, that's so fitting. No wonder I had that. I am such a good husband. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so we found three songs, and we had um, a manager at the time, and she was like, she had some ties with some labels, and we were like, okay, now's the time. We're going to like pull out those stops, and we're going to like work on it. So we got these songs ready to like pitch to labels. And so that's what we did. We spent about, you know, a couple... After we, like, went to the studio, did the three songs, um, and each one of them kind of had their own, like, flair. Um, So one of them was heavier, the other one was more indie pop, and the other one was kind of, like, somewhere in between. So we pitched them, and we heard nothing back. Mm -hmm. And that was, like... it it, It hurt. It was like, damn... You know, because we were, like, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed kids. We are like, oh, we got this manager. She's going to, like, help us out. Like, she knows these people. And, like, we did our first tour during that time as well. And, um, you know, it was like, oh, so-and-so is going to come out to the show in Chicago. And, like, no one ever came, like, from the industry. And we're like, damn. Like, we just had this, like, projected image. And we had put so much of our career in this, like, idea That was, like, no sure thing. And um, so we had these three songs and these other, like, ten that we'd been sitting on. So there was a little bit of, like, um, when all this happened, it was, like, what do we do now? Um, And for me, at this time, I had been thinking about things completely different because, like, there's a huge part of you that gets humbled once you realize the industry doesn't work for you. You work for the industry. Um, so we were like, 
you know, put so much time, so much effort, so much emotion behind this just to be like crickets, mm. solid crickets. And I was just like, you know, I wasn't dumb. We had been preparing all, all the while for right. this. We're like, we're not stupid. We know that like, we may not hear back. You know, we kept saying that, but in the back of our heads, we're kind of like, but like, what if it does happen? Like, yeah. what if this does work? Like, so-and-so is definitely going to come to the show because they said that they're going to try to make it. And, you know, all these things. And we went on tour and we had such a blast. I mean, we had a really, really solid time. And it, it was like, it was like the DIY tour as you've seen it in like... The, wor- the worst possible conditions of, like, at one point we were, like, sleeping in somebody's attic that, like, we didn't really know. They just left the door unlocked and, like, we walked through this house and, like, it's so crazy because you do these, like, crazy rock shows and then you drive for, like, two and a half hours because you want to get to the halfway point to where you're going. And so I remember we got there, we're tired, and we were, like, walking up these steps and, like, it looked like your stereotypical, like old woman home <laughs> yeah <laughs> it like smelled like that and we're like wait is this the attic so like we walk up and then we get up there and you know i don't care i'm just like sweet we're like on the road fuck yeah and the you know it's really cold up there it's like i think it's like the the tail end of fall so it's yeah, like too cold i think it was like yeah. pennsylvania or something yeah and i'm just chilly, like yeah. yeah and i was like oh this kind of sucks yeah and the whole floor like felt like a mattress and we were just so excited because it was like we get this comfy floor and like we were so stoked like i'll never forget like we all just like laid on the ground and we're like finally like a comfortable floor and it was just like one of those moments that was like damn like this is rock and roll like finding like the goodness out of like literal trash situations it's like Mm. we were just excited to be on the road and like we were so stoked to just have like this comfortable cushy floor and like i don't know it's just one of those moments that like we really bonded as a band it was Mm. really cool yeah and there was a lot of those moments that was like one of the things that like going on this this tour like taught me it was just like you have to have a positive situation if you're going to be put out there like if you have somebody that has like a negative attitude attitude towards things like on the road there is literally always something to complain about full stop like you can find something to complain about like at any point like it just there's a lot of shitty situations <laughs> but um give us some examples of uh, some of those things i mean you're sitting in a car for like generally anytime you go on the road you're sitting in the car between 4 to 8 hours yeah. that's like a typical yep. drive and so the way that our situation was is so we brought our manager on the road with us because she was like tour managing for us um and it's a four seat car um so we have our own band van but we like took out the back seats so that like we could put our equipment back there yeah um so i don't drive that's like my one thing is like i don't like i'm i drove a smart car so driving a van was just like out of the question for me. I just never managed something like that. I just didn't feel comfortable. Plus I had to sleep a lot. Like that's how I keep my voice on the road. So I had a fold up mattress that I would put on the floor. So that's where I was the entire time we were driving. Yeah. So it was crazy because like, that's how you spend like the majority of your day is like, I was like on the floor. So, like when we went to like, 
we did a run through like West Virginia, um, North Carolina, the Rocky Mountains. I was nauseous like the entire time in the car because yeah. I was like on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, it, we had a cooler full of like lunch meat that I got from Costco. Like that's what I ate on the road. And yeah, I mean, it's just tough conditions. Sounds like a really humbling experience. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. And it was like, you know, you kind of like learn very quickly how to adapt to this type of you know environment and it's like we all kind of learned like you know we really enjoyed ourselves and it's like you have like my guys are like established in their careers so like eric is the ceo of like a this crazy company socks thing right or no No, so eric is actually the lead player okay yeah who, who was... No, that was uh, Michael Grenier. Michael Grenier, he Grenier. he was not on that tour. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he is used to traveling a lot with his last company. He went out on the road a decent bit. Um, but yeah, what, what I'm trying to say is just like, these guys are used to a very comfortable lifestyle. Mm. Yeah. And it, the funny thing was when we were in Chicago, Eric had a meeting and we somehow lined up our Chicago date with this meeting that he had in Chicago for his company, which wow. they gave him a hotel room. So like all five of us just <laughs> nice. went to the hotel room. Yeah, We're like, sweet. Cool. We got a place to sleep. And oh, like, fuck yeah. we, the greatest thing was like having free ice to like fill up our cooler with. Oh. It's like, it starts to become little things. Oh, it's yeah. almost like survival at this point. Oh, it point. was so much fun, though. Like, we were like, this yeah. is great. Like, we get ice. That's especially, so like, tight. Especially if it's, like, kind of like the lifestyle you're chasing mm-hmm. to a certain extent. You're like, oh, it's going to be like this for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh. You get a taste of it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, at the end of this meeting, he was supposed to go to a steak dinner, okay? Like, that's what the company was doing. Okay. But we had to drive, like, six hours to Bowling Green to play, like, some, like, this place called summit shack which is great they do a lot for like um you know touring artists but it's basically like a garage they've converted into a venue for like a bunch of like bowling green kids and it's like no dude you don't get to go to the steak dinner you get to drive the bowling green in this van and eat like lunch and meat oh (laughs) wow and like i'll never forget he was like dude i'm like passing up the steak dinner i was like sorry dude (laughs) (laughs) this is what we gotta do um, but yeah, it's just like moments like that that were like super humbling and like we <clears throat> really enjoyed it. Um, and at that point, we had put out Ghost of You and that was it. We rode on that EP for two, two and a half years mm. without putting out any new music. Yeah. And you know, because we were a new band, we didn't know what we were doing. Like, we had done the label thing because that's what everybody told us to do. and so and then it's so frustrating because okay people are like go tour go send the labels go do this go do and it's just like okay you're asking me to do stuff that a team of people aren't able to accomplish and like that's when we that's when I learned like okay I have to focus on like where my resources are and like what we're trying to move towards Mm. And so I finally got to a point where I was like, all right, touring is sweet. Mm -hmm. We all learned that we love it. I wish I could do it all the time. My guys wish they could do it all the time too. I mean, they're, I'm so lucky to work with like such committed, awesome people. Um, But I was like, currently that's not 
we don't have as many opportunities there as we do going into the studio. Mm. And so I got to a point where I was like, all right, we got these 10 songs. We have the EP out. Like, what do we do? Um, so I was like, we got to drop a single. So we waited a couple months hearing back from labels. This was like after we went on tour, we right. came home, we're like heard nothing. What's the pivot? And it was kind of like this really seldom time in the band where it was like, shit, what do we do? Because mm. we had always thought like, okay, what, what if this, this doesn't work out? Like we don't hear back and we we're just kind of like, what, what do we do? Like, and so there's a lot of tension. And, you know, we would have these meetings about once every two weeks, sit down with a manager, me and, you know, my manager, we were like co-managing. So we would do a lot of stuff together um, because she had another job. And mm. so we sat down and we were like, we got to make a music video. So we... Like I said, we sent these three songs out to the labels. So they were ready to put, be put out like that. And um, I was like, music video, that's what we're going to do. So for some reason, there was like a lot of talk about like um, doing like a kind of DIY music video. Yeah. Because the environment right now in the industry is like the quality that's coming out um, production wise and also like media like wise is pretty like low um so like the three hundred thousand dollar music video shoots they don't happen anymore um so we had put in a lot of money in our last video shoot and it did okay and you know if you look at taylor swift's new song you know those like little um spotify videos that you have yeah so like her video is literally her on a pool table on a big shirt, like iPhone video with like a crappy filter over it. And it's like, that is like, okay. Like that never used to be okay, but like, that's okay now. So like our thought was like, well, we don't want to put in a, like a ton of money into this. Like we'll kind of just do like B-roll shots of us on the road. And we're like, you know, we can do this. So me and my manager devote all of our time to like, try to make this DIY video happen. And we get so deep into this rabbit hole of like making a storyline, which is like, you don't do that. Like if you are gonna do this, it has to be very organic. The whole appeal to having like shoddy content like this is because people are in the social media age where people wanna see like the real thing that's happening. And we just went on this whole tangent of like, no, we're gonna like have the script and da da da. So we made a budget for this video and we blew the budget on lighting alone. Mm. So, Damn, you know. That sucks. Oh, though. yeah. And so, and luckily, <clears throat> so we didn't actually put the money in. We went to Ohio HD and they were super nice and super accommodating. We told them exactly what we wanted to do mm -hmm. and they were like, here's what you're gonna need, here's the lowest price, and then you can add on these things if you wanna make it dope. And we're like, okay. So I had a whole printout. So our next meeting, I sit down, me and my manager, and we talk, and we're like, hey, this is a situation, we're gonna blow it. So I got this idea in my head of, you know what, let's just hire a director so 
we know we're going to get a good product. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen if I have my manager behind. I don't like my good friend of mine was like, you can borrow this really nice camera. We got all the stuff to do the DIY video. My manager and I, like I said, we storyboarded, we did all this stuff. And we, and I mean, I'm talking like two and a half months of this. Okay. Of planning, like putting our heads together. And it was another humbling experience of, I'm not a video director. I don't know what I'm doing. Even yeah. like, this is another like big learning curve. Even if you're doing DIY content, there's people who specialize in that. Like most videographers today are like equipped for the work environment. They know how to make DIY stuff in a low budget work. Mm. You don't, like you don't. And like we accepted that, so. Which is a good idea as well. Yeah, and huge, I mean, a lot of bands don't realize that. Like, okay, if you have a low budget, that's fine. Don't pitch a $2,000 idea when you could just be doing like a a $200 idea and they can just make that, adapt that to work for you. So that was my whole thought is like, okay, I need to get somebody to like see this through. I'm not a videographer. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not even working on the music. Like... I don't know what I'm doing. My manager can't even do her job properly. And I was just like, this is a mess. Like we were just in over our heads. And um, I was like, also, we haven't put out music in two years and we're gonna come out with like this like crappy DIY video potentially. So we had this conversation. I was like, oh my gosh. So then um, the conversation kind of turned into, well, you know, if it sucks, then we just won't put it out. And I was like, I have wasted too much time trying to figure out what to do. Um, So I said, you know, I don't think you're hearing me correctly. I don't want to do a DIY video. And that was like my biggest line in the sand because me and the guys have always been like, everybody is equal parts of everything. Everybody has ideas are everywhere. But at this point I had like, this is like my full-time job now. I'm doing this like I have my side hustles obviously like I'm not supporting myself off of music um but this is what my full-time focus is and I was just like yo like you are not going to be able to dip in your opinion as deeply as I can because I'm putting in the hours I'm putting in this and it was like I wasn't trying to have like an ego moment but I was just like I got the printouts of the money and all this stuff. And, and it was just this huge breaking point that was just kind of boiling up. Cause like I said, we went on the road, we we're like talking to labels, all this stuff. And it was finally like it boiled down to this one moment where I was just like, no, like I'm tired of just like chasing after like nothing. Like we, we gotta like figure out a business plan here. And there was a split in the band that happened. And it was like really tough because I unknowingly was trying to take more control over the band. I didn't view it like that. I was just like, this is the rational thing. Like, you guys need to listen to me and the manager now. You cannot be like weighing in your opinion and acting like that holds as much weight as we do. Because like I said, we're putting in the time. If you want your your voice to count like that, then you got to put in the time with us. You got to go to these places. You got to be like, you know, doing all the stuff that we're doing. And we'll listen to like rational conversation, but it kind of turned into like, no, I don't want to do this for the sake of like, it felt like the sake of argument. So there was a lot of transitions that happened. Um, 
And basically, we ended up losing um, our bass player over mm-hmm. it. And um, my manager was, like, on my side with it the whole time. She was like, okay. But ultimately, it was my decision to ask him to leave. Um, and it was... You don't realize, like, with independent bands, you think, like, there's just this feeling of, like, friendship, you know? Because it's not... You're not yet a business in your head. You're, like, still doing this for fun. Right. Um, And this guy was, like, my best friend. You know, I went to his house for Christmas and stuff, like, really close. And so it was, like... It was one of the biggest learning experiences of my life because I was, like, okay... I now have to take this band so seriously that I'm, I'm going to lose this. Like, this is over. Like, what? And, and it was, like, so many, like, it, it, like, took me from, like, I'm just a part of this band and, like, I'm not really responsible for where it goes. You know, everybody's head in it, is in it to, like, what are you going to do? Like, this is your decision. What are you going to do? And I had to, like, show my guys, like, I'm not putting, like, this isn't just, like, my emotion and, like, you know, I had to be non-dramatic about it. I had to take the emotions out of the equation Mm. because if I was, like, you said this and you did this and this is, it would have been, like, oh, that's how she's going to run it. And it was, like, no, like, I had to, like, show them and step up for them and show them, like, okay, I'm going to make this big girl decision. Thank God they backed me on it. Um, because, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was said in that room that I'm not going to get into because it's just not, we don't need to, but it was like, they backed me on it and, you know, we moved forward. I told my manager what had happened and she didn't agree with it. She thought I should give them another chance and we should like continue to move forward. But I, I just, I had been facing so much opposition And I finally, like, I remember just sitting there and being, like, writing out these business plans. And coming to the band, and it was, like, always met with opposition. And unfortunately, a lot of the opposition was from him. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Was it a a rational opposition? Sometimes. Was it opposition with logic behind it? Sometimes it was, but a lot of times it was just because I was looking at this every day. And I was focusing on this constantly. And he would come in and he had the best intentions of the band in mind. I don't doubt that. That's one of the most difficult parts of asking him to leave. Mm. I mean, his direct words to me were, I will be a part of this until the boat is on fire and sinks to the bottom of the ocean. When you have that level of commitment from someone, that's half the battle is consistency and having people that are going to stick by your side. That's fucking powerful. Yeah. About, I mean, and that was what was on the line. I have my best friend. I have somebody who really cares, but it was, it, it was one of those situations that like, honestly, I would just like how to put it up and be like, all right, God, what are we doing here? I, I didn't know what the right turn was. I had, I loved him like a brother. And I pretty much thought because we have the best intentions for the band and mine, like we're gonna get through anything together. Mm. And you know, I've debated a long time. Like, 
whether or not to talk about this, but I think it's good for, like, anybody that's listening who has, like, you know, is working with their friends and is, like, doing... And when you start a band, you're working with your friends. You're not... I mean, there has to be that relationship. And I have no bad things to say about him in regards to the band. Because he was 100% with it. Um, But I learned very quickly that's not enough. Um, This is eventually turns into a business. And your opinions... It it was like I was starting to see like the bigger picture of this. And then there were certain things that I just felt like I was just getting shut down on, shut down on. And we would have these meetings, like I said, and it was just holding us up. Because when you eventually sign to a label or have management... If you're constantly throwing opposition at them, you're not going to move. And there's certain things that, like, like my guys deal with this all the time. It's like, they don't agree with something I'm doing. But if they can't give me a concise reason for why, like, whoever is bringing more rational rationality at the table is going to win. And, like, that's what would happen. It's like, there was opposition, but, like, you can't give me enough of a reason to back it up. And when we would kind of get into that, it would get very emotional. And it was just toxic. And you had this toxic environment because we were so close that we were like family. But we were fighting like family. And, you know, we had our manager, but she was friends with everybody. I mean, she was, yeah. like, going out with us all the time. And there was just this level, of, like, in a business, there has to be somebody that there's a level of reverence for. There's a level of, like... My word doesn't stand up as much as yours. And not because you're more powerful or more all-knowing, just because you're in this 24-7. And it got to a point like that, and I would never push something on my guys that they were completely like, no. Because that's just not good business. Um, I rely on them just as much as they rely on me. I mean, I'm not sitting over here with like a big head but this is something that I've devoted my life to. Um, and that's something that I had to take charge of. Because while I was, like, dealing with this full time, I never, like, put myself in the position of, like, please listen to me. Please just hear me out. And I, it was great because, like, co-managing with... Um, Hales was our old manager. Mm -hmm. It was great because there was a lot of... It wasn't all on me, you know? It wasn't all on... um, Like, if something went wrong, it was like, oh, shoot, we, like, messed up. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like, all on me. And, like, I would put a lot of that pressure kind of, like, off of me and onto her. Like, okay... This is a big decision. I'm going to kind of have you like lean in on this a little bit. We're going to take a quick commercial break to hear a message from our sponsors, Revolter Pictures and Bill Shaft. Hi, I'm Anthony Cardosi, award-nominated actor for Revolter Pictures. We can make your next commercial. Here's some testimonials from some former losers whose lives we've changed forever. I've been selling potato blankets for years, but nobody would buy them. 
They had no idea how great my product was until I stumbled upon Revolter Pictures. They helped me to show the world that my potato blankets are number one. Wasn't that great? Revolter Pictures makes all kinds of commercials for all kinds of people. Just check out this form of loser. My friends and or family told me that I would never find anyone to make a commercial for my secondhand bread store. But thanks to the guys at Revolter Pictures, my business is through the roof. Are you still not satisfied? Okay, check out this testimonial. Before Revolter Pictures, I look like this. Now I look like this. Revolter Pictures is a group of independent filmmakers who want to bring your vision to life. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at revolterpictures at gmail.com. Gabstreet is sponsored for the month of February by Bill Shaft. Make sure to go pre-order his new album, Revenant, on all streaming services. Bill is a 19-year-old rapper and event planner for Sluggish Records from Chillicothe, Ohio. His new project has features from Dirty Sanchez and Desi Hines from Pro Era. Bill is really someone to watch in 2020. Make sure to go follow him on Instagram at BillShaft47. His music is on every streaming platform. Just look up Bill Shaft. The S in Shaft is a dollar sign. Catch Bill live this month, February 5th at Sam Rothstein's infamous Declassified at Victories Live, February 8th in Columbus at Cafe Bourbon Street for his album Release Party, February 13th at Ace of Cups in Columbus with Trigno, Tobilla, Static Res, and more, and February 14th in Cincinnati at Northside Tavern. And I'm just the type of person that, like, I need 500 opinions to say yes or no. Right. Um... And, you know, after after that, after I asked him to leave and she left, we were put in this position where we actually had tour dates set up. And I had no bass player. <laughs> and everyone's kind of looking at me like, you did this. Like, what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah, are you going to figure it out? Now? Yeah. Like, what's your and move? And so yeah. I was just like, crap. So as all this was happening, I immediately found a fill-in. And... We ended up doing the dates and kind of sucked because, you know, he didn't have enough time to practice, but we just suffered through it and we did it. And all the while, the guys are kind of looking at me like, Kenzie, what, what's going on? And I'm just like, no, it's good. It's good. And I would like, oh, I was no. like writing up these business plans like frantically. And um, so eventually um, my friend Thomas was like, do you want some help? And I was just like, no, like, I'm good. Like, I've been co-managing. Like, right. I'm fine. Like, you know, I wasn't ready to, like, humble myself enough to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, my gosh, I'm freaking out. Like, I was just like, no, nah, I'm good. And he was just <clears> like, anytime you have any questions, just send them my way, and I'll give you some honest advice. So it took me a really long time to, like, actually start doing that mm. um but this is somebody that has like risen up from bottom in the industry and like established themselves very like like impressively and um it intimidated me to the point where i was like we're so i felt so small and so low that like i felt like the questions i was asking were like embarrassing 
Like, oh, yeah. There yeah, was always yeah. this voice in my head, like, you should know what to do. Why would you ask him that? Oh, he's going to think you're dumb. So right. it finally got to a point, and, like, plus with the guys, I didn't want to be like, hey, I'm going to ask so It's like, <laughs> going to ask so-and-so, like, their opinion on this, and they didn't really know him, and oh, it was, like, this whole that. thing. Yeah, yeah. that's, like... Kind of how you bring tricky. this outsider in, like, yeah. and he's involved, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what to do. So, like, I would, like, jokingly, like, send him a question, like, through text message or something, and, like, it finally got to the point where he was just like, yo, like, you need to be sending these through email. Like, I'm really busy. Like, I can't just be, like, casually. So, like, it started off, like, a couple questions here and there, and then, hey, like, how about this booking? And, like, he really stepped in and, like, was, like, so, like, when's your next headlining show? And I'm just like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. Like, we're going to be putting out this single, but I don't know how we're going to do it. And, like, he really pushed me. And he was just like, you need to just drop the single. Like, stop with all this hype. Like, don't hype the hype. Like, he was, like, teaching me all these lessons. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, you know, we've been preparing two years to figure out how to put out this music. And this person is telling me to just drop it. And I was just like, yep. what? What? And he's like, just put it out. Stop. And I was just like, well, what about, like, all this, like, we need to find blogs to pick it up. And he's just like, stop. Just put out the music. Like, stop. And I was like, okay. So I brought it back to the guys. And I'm like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And they're just like, what? And you got to understand, like, this is the first time I'm taking charge in anything. Like, I haven't told them that there's a person on the back end that's helping us out. I'm just like, this is what we're going to do. And it was this awkward situation because these bands, bands are delicate, you know? It's like you have these relationships with people and there's, even if you're small, there's a certain way of doing business that you interact with each other and you talk to each other. And we're now, that's been blown open and we're just, okay, I just kind of walk into that situation. I was like, please listen to me. (laughs) And so like I told him and there was like this little bit of tension of like, okay, well, you're going to do all this stuff and you haven't really talked to us. And there was always like this conversation of, oh, you've really thought about this. And I kept hearing that from them. Oh, you've really put a lot of time into this. And it was almost like I took it kind of condescendingly. Like, yeah, I have. Are you mad that like, I didn't consult you on all this. And I had to accept that like, we had to come to that trust together. And so like, I just accepted that and I was like, yeah, let's see how this goes. So, like we dropped the single, I actually did really well. One or two five picked it up and I was just like, and it, that was the start. And then we're like, okay, we're gonna drop another one. We're gonna do a music video the way that I wanted to do the music video. You know, we got, you know, Ross on board, um, who's incredible. Um, he works with Bloom Division, which is like his company that he works out mm. of. And I mean, that dude, he just has, it's unbelievable. Like he did like our branding, um, like everything had to change. And we basically had to like rebrand ourselves, um, which was another transition for the guys. Um, so you had to like pick color palettes, all this stuff that I was not confident enough to take seriously because I was like, oh, it's just a band. Like we don't, we're, we don't got to like brand ourselves or do anything like that. It's just like music. And then you have, you know, Thomas, this guy who does it professionally, who's literally taking my music more seriously than I am. And I'm doing this full time. 
it's literally like a mindset shift. It was crazy. And I was like, oh, you know, like the logo, like I'm just gonna like have this person do it. Like no big deal. Like we'll just, it'll look fine. It's like, no, you have to go back to your content person. You can't just bring a bunch of different people into this. Your image is gonna be all over the place. And unless that's your like, goal. Yeah, unless that's your goal, right. You have to be intentional about it. So within the course of like, six months all of this we went from like having this kind of like what are we gonna do mm-hmm. random diy video to like oh my gosh like now we're like establishing a team so now i have one person that i go to for like my like main image content which is like our branding our look and then um that's around the time that i found danny he reached out to me and I was like, no, we actually have a content guy. And then I was just like, wait a second. What if he did like all the behind the scenes stuff? And so we started going to him for that. And then um, within all this time frame, we put out Dear Demons finally. So we put out the two singles, yeah. all of this crazy. I mean, it is literally like a whirlwind. Like I'm getting like information um, from Thomas who's like, you know, he's not managing us or anything. Um, like advising, would you yes, say? Yes, he's, he's like giving me like, advice like, as a friend. Oh, um, okay, so like non-payroll Yeah, advice. no, no, He it's literally like, hey, I'm gonna send this email, like, does this look okay? And he'll give me his honest advice because like- That's so helpful. Yes, and it's advice. kind of amazing because mm. there's no holdup. With management, it's like, hey, are you gonna send that email? Hey, are you gonna do that thing you said you're gonna do? With him, it's like, I send him an email and he tells me what to do. And then I do it. And it's way more independent. Yeah. It makes it so you kind of have a lot more control over exactly. what you actually like to put out as well. Yeah. And, I mean, he has been super awesome. Um, and we're super lucky to, like, have that resource. And his yeah. thing is, like, I would do this for anybody. Like, I want to help. And, like, because people will be like, wait, is he managing you? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, we are not at that level where <laughs> he would, like, manage us. Plus, his thing is, like the metal scene. So he manages Beartooth and Siler. And that's like his thing. Like he's found his place in that industry. He's not trying to like branch out or whatever. Um, But like he, like his thing was like, if I ever like made it to a certain level, I wanted to help somebody that was trying to do this. And that's what it is for him. And for him, it's like, it's, you know, he's shows that he like wants to help us out. And that's what it is. It's literally just like, somebody in the industry that's like here's a hand Mm. and there's a lot of that but i think a lot of times it's just hard to accept that because it and i'm so like lucky that he like did this but like he even like kind of like pushed me to like ask for help and that's like a huge learning curve because it's like for so long i was just like i just have to be able to do this And it was just like, it took so long for me to be like, oh, I can ask for help. I have this resource. Use the resources. Like, we just decide that we're going to be able to do this. We're going to, we're going to do this thing. And like, we think it's failing. Like for me, I thought it was failing if I were to go to somebody else and like hear this information. Mm. And it has been tough. I mean, there's a lot of times where like, I, he is like, really pushed me because especially with like content I'll think 
nothing of, okay, we're going to do this branding thing. We're going to put this out. There's been times where I've worked four hours on, like, putting a video together for, like, a giveaway or whatever. And I was just like, it's always like, oh, should I send this to him? And then I'll send it to him and be like, all right, here it is. And then he'll just send back, nope. And I'm like, <gasps> four hours. And then I have to go back to the guys. And I'm like, okay, so, like, we actually have to get, like, a lighting rig and, like, make this look like our image. And, like, we can't just, like... And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, and it's, like, really echoey in the room, so, like, we have to change that. Mm. And, like, stuff like that all the time. Or, like, I'll have somebody do branding for us. Like, I'll never forget, like, we had somebody do a logo for us. And I sent it to him, and he's like, nope. And I was, like, freaking out at that point. I was just like, dude, like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, this is, like, what we have. We need to pick one of these. And he's just like, calm down. (laughs) Call this person. And figure it out. And that's just like, okay. <laughs> so it's it's been really interesting. Um, but it's also given me, like, a lot of direction while maintaining control of the band. Um, our booking is a lot different now. Um, you know, it's really tough to be in a local band and having, like, when we put out Ghost of You. We were playing shows sometimes multiple days of the week in Columbus. And it was working out well for us. We actually got a lot of, like, opportunities um, because people were seeing our name everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then we sold out the basement. And it was like, I didn't know what to do from that point. I thought we were just going to keep on keeping on. So we're booking shows immediately after that. And I'll never forget... I was um, playing a show at Rumba, and, you know, a currency for, like, local bands is, like, I'm an out-of-town band, I'll give you a show, we'll do, like, a show trade if you, like, hop on this show. So, it's, like, a situation like that. Okay. Hop on the show, and it just blows. It's, like, not good, you know? Because it's, like, we just kind of hopped on for, like, that, we didn't really promote it or whatever. And so the promoter came up to us after the show and was like, I'll never forget. He was just like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, okay, well, you asked us to play this or somebody asked us to play the show. And he was just like, every show after that one has to be at that level if you guys are going to continue to rise. And I was just like, <laughs> oh yeah, my what happens. God. The bar is set. You got to maintain yeah. the bar. Yeah. And he's like, you should not have hopped on this show. And it was like, there's a lot of moments in my career which just like hits you in the gut. And I was just like a gut punch because it was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so after that, I was like, okay, well, we're not going to take shows unless they make sense and da da da. And like, Hmm. we've just been trying to make sense of that because there's a lot of local bands that take shows all the time that are doing great and opening up for like national acts. And it's like, wait are we supposed to be doing that? But then I hear from like the higher ups that you're not. And then people get mad when you like, don't take local shows ever. And it's like, it's just been so difficult and I'm still trying to figure it out. Like basically the way that we have it set at this point is like, we only headline, we try to every like four to six months, closer on the six months side of things. And then um, if we do pick up a show, like it has to make sense financially 
like the money that we're asking for in shows, that's been extremely difficult because yeah. I now have to take myself seriously. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like when you're asking for guarantees when you've played for literally a beers, you yeah. go from playing for beers to like, okay, you sold out this venue, you're like doing stuff. Now you're going to ask for like this amount of money, which like, it's like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to do that? And, you know, now it's like, I kind of realize like, we get together twice a week and work. I mean, the band is constantly like getting together and we put in the time, we put in the effort. If we play a show, we practice our butts off. Like we work really, really hard to like establish what we have and like, I didn't even care about any of that. Like, literally, like, asking for guarantees has been, like, such a hard thing for me. And, like, it's I'm finally to the point where I've, like, had to do these mental exercises to, like, realize, like, you know, we've put in the time and the effort and, like, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to, like, set the bar at. It also helps us to, like, like it's not, like, we're not going to take this show because, like, we don't like this band or whatever. It's, like, no, like, we're not going to take this show because, like, here's our guarantee. Here's what we think that we're worth. And if you don't want to pay it, it's fine. There's no emotions in it. It's, like, oh, I can't meet that? That's fine. We're not going to do it. And it's helped us with booking because it's, like, there's, like, a period of, like, this, like, kind of half-ass, like, oh, how am I going to book this? And it's, like, no, now where it's, like, it's like a business transaction. Are you able to meet this or are you not? And now we're like getting a little bit more settled in like our booking. Mm. <laughs> Out of town shows are completely different. That's just like a crapshoot. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's you like, do the best oh, can we like thing. book a decent show? Like booking is so, you know, confusing. But like that's where we're at now. Um, and like moving forward, it's like, so we put out Ghost of You, and um, we knew that touring wasn't going to make sense. Um, we just brought on two new members, so our lineup has changed. We had to get them up to speed. Right. We were literally getting them up to speed in the first show that like our keyboard player was at was the release show. That was the first show he ever played with us. So it was like, I had to get all this stuff ready. I had to get the release stuff ready. I mean, I remember I was in Chicago getting ready for this, you know, release. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. You know, like, I'll be able to, like, hang out. And, like, then I'll just get all this stuff ready. And I'll never forget 4 a.m. in the hotel lobby on my computer, just sitting there. Like, I still have so much work to do. Oh, man. And it was just this moment of, like, all right, we're actually doing it now. Like, and I was, like, at the time, like, texting back and forth um, with Thomas, like, does this look okay? No, do this. And, like, okay, like, scheduling posts, doing all this stuff, like, Mm -hmm. you know, putting it, it, I can't even, like, explain like all the stuff that I had to do because I didn't know what I had to do you know I was learning in real time at 4 a.m in a hotel lobby when I'm supposed to be like having a good time I had went out with my friend that night came back so I got back around like 11 30 and I'm like okay I'll just queue up the stuff and then it was like no I'm there till 4 in the morning 
I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's just like, it, it was just such like a, a learning moment of like, Seems wow. like you've had a lot of very, very strong learning moments. Yeah. You, yeah. you gotta keep going, yo. Yeah. You're yeah. too deep. You're too deep. <laughs> I to, know. You can't turn back. Can't You've gone through now. so much already. Like you literally have to just commit mm-hmm. to just being this artist. Yeah. It's. How was that reality? Kind of taking that in and being like, oh, I wanted this, but now I, yeah, now, but now I'm here. doing it. You know, like, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's like, I wanted this and now it's here. Yep. I deal with that reality a lot because what I thought it was going to look like is completely different than what it is. When That's people, how I'm feeling too. yeah, yeah. And when people find out, you know, Oh, you, you do this full time. Like, what does that look like? What does your day to day look like? I always feel like a little bit offended. I'm just like, don't like, it's too personal. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Okay. I can't give you like, Oh, I work in marketing and I, you know, I work downtown at this place. It's like, my life is like so much different. And like, what I put, you know, weight into is not always the same as, like, what you do. And, like, so my day-to-day, sometimes it's, like, writing music. So I sit there and I cultivate a creative environment to be able to write. Um, Which, other days, I'm on my computer all day answering emails, asking questions, and, like, trying to do booking. It's, there's no consistency in what I do. Um, other than working. Working is the <laughs> consistency. I'm always trying to do something. Um, but I got to a point pretty recently where I was like, okay, I'm like actually doing what I set out to do. Um, when people hear that I do music full time, they think that this supports me and it doesn't. I mean, the, the harsh reality of the way that I live is like, I'm living completely under like, <laughs> so I have my yeah. yeah. So I used to work at a salon, and I had like a constant income, and that mm-hmm. was great. And I went to school for it, and it was cool. And then I did the band thing, and I was doing both at the same time. Um, and I never wanted. I went on tour with this band um, called Margot and the Nuclear So and Says. I worked with the guy at Music Around. And he was like, do you want to do this internship? You know, I'll teach you the ropes. And at the time, I was like, I want to be a full-time musician. Like, this is a perfect opportunity. So I went on the road with him. Um, We would, like, my friend Eric, he would, like, do all of, like, the distribution. So, like, he was having boxes and boxes of, like, LPs and, like, vinyl sent to his house. We would have to, like, box them all up. And we would go to, like, the, you know, post office and send them out. And then I went on the road with him. And I'll never forget... It was after the show, and I thought they killed it. You know, they're playing a decent-sized room. And afterwards, you know, I was very quiet. I was very, like, an anxious, you know, young kid around these musicians that I had, you know, oh, my God, so much respect for. More respect than they'll ever understand. And, like, you know, we're sleeping on floors. We're living the rock and roll lifestyle. And I'm, like, sitting outside. I'm, like, I'm in my head a lot. And he said to me, he said... I've spent my entire life working towards this. We should be playing over there. And he pointed to like a bigger venue, like an arena downtown. And he was like, you know, I don't have, you know, wife or kids. I'm just like, this is it. And I was just like, I got this pit in my stomach. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can't do this. It was terrifying. And I got back and I was like, 
I, you cannot make your um, your passion your source of income. It screws everything up. Like it, it's just like no, I can't do it. And I was like this young sixteen year old kid. I just had decided that I wasn't gonna pursue music. I went. Wow. Yeah, I. Wow. I know. I was this like, is it was fascinating. Scary. I yeah. never heard. Okay. Yeah. So once again, I still intern for the band because I yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I just love to be around music. I was working for free and. I was happy to be there. And there were a lot of times where I remember they would look at me and be like, you know, like, can we get you something? Are we good? Like, cause I have like a very, like, we'll call it a stoic face. It's resting bitch face, but stoic is the nice way of putting it. Um, so they would think I was miserable, but I was just loving it. You know, <laughs> I was just loving being in the venue, you know, being able to like sell merch, even though I can barely add, I probably like got the numbers off all the time. <laughs> But I was just happy to be there. And I didn't realize like that is like, that was like the building stone for what I'm doing right now. If you're not happy to be there on the road at a show, then you don't have a place there. Because like, there was no like real benefit for me. I'm working for free doing like something I should be getting paid for. But it's like that environment and that energy was just like nourishment to me. I was just like, I'm doing it. like the things that I've always looked up to. I was a fan way before I was a musician. I didn't start playing music until like sophomore year of high school. I'd never even sang. I was just in it. Like I was a metal kid. I would go to metal shows and like watch these horrible bands perform. And just, I was happy to be there. I was happy that like, you know, there's these mosh pits, there's this energy, there's this like thing. And that's what always drew me to music. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was kind of building up to this and then poof, it was like, it can all be for nothing. And I was like, okay, well, that's a reality that I'm going to live in. going to go to cosmetology school. I ended up like going to um, college for a period of time. Once my Pell Grant ran out, I actually had saved all the money that I was getting. I got A's and B's in college. That was fine. <laughs> but once my Pell Grant ran out, I would Xerox people's books. They, they give you money when you're poor to go to college. And then it's for like living expenses and books. I would Xerox my friend's books. <laughs> so I didn't have to like pay for anything. And I just kept all the money in a fund. And I went to Guatemala for a month. <laughs> and like... Sounds like interesting experience it was like i was like on this like journey you know what i'm yeah. saying like i was like on this like wanderlust of like what am i doing with my life yeah. and then i came back i went to cosmetology school and then i was like working in this like pretty like unconventional work environment my hours were like not nine to five it was like three to ten just mm. great so i get to like you know stay out late keep keep up my lifestyle like being in i was like just started hella luna mm. And, um, then, you know, I ended up leaving, um, because, you know, the owners were insane and I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? And that was the time that like, we were putting out Ghost of You and then... Oh, okay. I kind of see yeah, this timeline a little more now. Yeah. Okay. And then... Sorry, I like talk and like it's all over. Well, the place. I've wrapped it all up, so okay. all, the listeners, <laughs> yeah. all the listeners have as well. It's, yeah, it's, it's concise, so good, it's good. Concise. It's a little pulp fictiony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I do that. That's <laughs> how my brain works. Well, I have um, a pulp fiction poster right there, so you're oh. totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, we sold out. Uh, so like, we're getting ready for this release. 
Which, by the way, we had no idea we were going to sell it out. I was terrified booking the basement because I was like, we've never had more than 25 people at our show. I don't know how we're going to do 300 people. But, you know, it was yeah, just this moment of, like, I just left my job. I'm doing music. Yeah. I got to find another job. I don't know if that's going to be in cosmetology or what. But I know I need to, like, keep doing this. And um, as all this is happening, I think it was, like, a week before... Um, we do our first shows. This is, we're putting out um, Ghost of You. I got a call, and um, it, <laughs> I had not, it was like a distant relative, you know, and I'm just like, first thing in the morning, and they're like, I don't know how to tell you this, your dad's been taken off to, you know, they've arrested him, and it's all over the news. And I was just like, wait, what? What's happening? And um, I turned on the news, and it was just like, this is the most, de- like, one of the most, like, confusing, crazy moments of my life. Because, like, from this point, I've decided I'm not pursuing music full-time. I'm just doing this band because, like, I'm in the scene. I see people with bands. You get inspired. If you're going out to shows all the time and you know how to play music, you want to play music. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I got this career. I'm going to start a band. It's going to be cool. You know? And then this whole thing happens, and I'm like, what? And so it was horrible, and it put me into, like, this fog because, like, the, the content of, like, what they were explaining about my dad was just, like, I was so angry and confused, and in this whirlwind, I had nobody, like, nobody in the scene knew about it because, like, at this point, I have a very... I had a very estranged relationship with my father, so I had already changed my name on Facebook so that he wasn't a part of it. I saw him very infrequently. He wasn't really a part of my life other than, like, Christmas, holidays, stuff like that. And um, this whole thing happened. So, like, we go to play the show, and I'll never forget, like, he wasn't allowed in because of, like, his convictions. And it was just like, dang. Like, he kind of, like, he knew we were going to do the show and stuff, and then, you know, he went to jail, he got out on bond, the whole um, trial started, all this happened within a week, <laughs> and, like, I was just, like, on this new journey. I never made the conscious decision that I was going to, like, follow my dreams and, like, pursue music. It was just, my family kind of looked at me like, you're not going to get addicted to drugs, you're not going to, like kill yourself okay you can follow you you can do this we're not going to tell you to like get a job like they were all just happy i wasn't like losing my mind oh wow and it was just like the bar of expectations just like dropped to the floor mm. it was just like oh she's got passion she's doing this thing just just it's fine just go be happy yeah just go be happy yeah. like because it, it was like there was a lot of like what what's going on it was just like such a state of like me keeping my head above water I just poured myself totally into the music and like you know two years later I finally like got help and like started getting therapy and like working through this stuff and that's what Dear Demons is um because when I wrote Ghost of You none of that had affected what I was writing it was just pretty much suppressed past traumas that that I had. I had never like fully accepted what had happened to me until the convictions came out. It was like, I had such 
a confusing relationship with my father my whole life. Um, so, like, when I was a kid, like, the cops got involved a few times. He was, like, very abusive. And, like, when he would, like, attack me, he would hit me on top of my head. So, like, nobody could see the scars. Nobody could see anything. There was no bruises to show. So the cops would show up eventually because it got to the point where, like, um, I can't get into, like, logistics because, like, yeah. I, I don't... I think they could still get in trouble, but, like, knives were brought out and, like, he got stabbed. Like, because it was, like, literally life or death. Like, that's how abusive my father was. Um... But because nobody had ever seen this, it was like, he's your dad. Oh yeah, you know, like my family knew a little bit about what had happened, but like, no, not not the really bad stuff. They just knew like he had anger issues. He was mean, like verbally abusive. They didn't know anything about that. So when I put out Ghost of You, we had this estranged relationship, you know, I distanced myself as an adult from him. And then here we are like, Two years later, he got sent to prison, um, and I was like, nobody's gonna understand what I'm going through. Like, I went off doing what hurt people do, you know? I went through this period of time where I was drinking a lot, I was smoking a lot, I was just like, pissed. I had so much anger inside of me, and it was just like this realm of like, well, they don't understand and I'm just gonna do like what numbs the pain because it was literally like, I felt so empty and so like, it, it's so confusing how much your parents affect you. It is kind you of don't, confusing. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, I had an estranged relationship with them. It shouldn't really bother me. All this stuff happened so long ago. I've moved on, right? And it was like, no, it was like, these demons just started pulling up. Like, it just felt like this like, intergalactic goo and like just these mm. monsters started coming up and I was like wait a second I thought if I didn't step in that goo I was good like I didn't know they were gonna like rise up and start attacking yeah, yeah. me like what's going on and I finally got to the point where I was like I can't do it if I keep up this way if I keep trying to suppress this and like make it go away I am going to kill myself because what I saw during that time period of when my dad was sentenced the the content of what he was sentenced with is pure evil. And the last time I saw my dad, I wasn't looking at him. It was like his actions had finally caught up to him. And when you have somebody that has power, my dad had owned his own business, very powerful man, a lot of money. Like that gets you very far. Yeah, it does. And it was like, he was losing everything. His reputation, they took his medical license away from him. Everything was snatched from him. And I remember seeing him and he just, and there were certain things that I had saw during that time that were just like messed up. Just, my dad is a very disturbed man. And I just felt like I was looking in the face of evil. And that changed me. I never, like, part of me was like, man, I shouldn't have, like, went and saw him. But mm. that changed who I am today because I saw that. And instead of being mad at him, I was like, 
this isn't all of us if we don't take responsibility for who we are. Wow. Wow. And I wasn't mad at him. I was just mad at the fact that, like, these things exist. Evil exists. And if you don't do things to, like, fight it off, it's going to consume you. Because my... This is what I try to, like, put into my music. This is what I try to put into my EP is, like... It's not about hating people. It's not about me hating my dad or wanting to get revenge. I have no revenge to get on him. He sits in a cell every day. He's lost his house. He's lost his education. People used to tell me when I decided I don't want to go to college, nobody can ever take your education away from you. Bullshit. Took it from him. <laughs> yes, they can. Yeah, they can right. take every. You can right. lose everything. He lost everything. And I looked at him... And he was so small and so scared and there was nothing left. And I realized, you know, this is my blood. I've changed my name because like, I'm on a new journey that he doesn't have a part of because he's lost privileges to that. I don't hate him. Like my relationship with like that has like changed how I am, how I Mm -hmm. operate because The last thing I said to my dad is, I don't care if you did it, I still love you. Because I was trying to, like, have him accept responsibility. He refused to accept the what had happened to him. He was literally living in fantasy land of, like, I'm not going to go to prison. None of this is happening. And I was just like, you know, I feel like I'm just on this journey of, like, understanding, like, I've been super blessed to be able to follow my passion where I am now. Exactly. I feel super lucky. There's been a lot of opposition in my life, but I'm not angry anymore. Like, I'm not angry at him. I am literally angrier at the people who pretend like this doesn't exist. I am angry at the people who can't accept who he is. People want to continue to, like, try to understand things that they have no no way of understanding people would try to downplay my dad's convictions and to downplay evil is to let evil in and i was just like yo like i know i i I have seen it with my own eyes like i have seen what has happened to him i have seen like the darker sides of like who he is and that used to bother me so much but it allowed me to understand like this is something I'm willing to give my life for is like, it's not just about the music. It's about like what I'm trying to convey through my music. And when I first started this band, it was like, Oh, you know, like I write songs. That's cool. We're in a band. Oh, we're going to like go out and like party and have fun. And this is sweet. And then it was like, boom, the worst thing that could have happened, like happened. (laughs) And I say worst thing, you know, much worse things could have happened, but it changed everything and now here I am like on this journey of like I wasn't able to like actually convey any of this to people until I got help Mm. and that's like a big thing about like what I'm out here trying to do is like to have people take their problems seriously I couldn't take my band seriously I couldn't take my problems seriously it's like what was motivating me and it's like you know I'm just trying to like help people to like move past what they're doing mentally Mm. and it was like what I was doing mentally was so toxic suppressing all these issues like having all this hate all this stuff 
and to live a life where I've literally like merged my trauma, my music, and my passion all into one. It's like, it's crazy, but it's like, it gives me meaning. And I'm still struggling through a lot of things. I struggle with depression. I struggle with all this stuff, but like, you know, I feel so passionately that like, creative people feel things differently. And a lot of people who are in this field, it's extremely difficult, you know? But there's, there's a driving force behind everybody. And it's super easy to like downplay that and be like, no, it's about the music, no, it's about the business. It's like, the biggest change in my career was literally looking at my trauma. I was like, no, this is why I do what I do. Like seeing somebody completely morph into like this evil was like the amount of like understanding that it took really put me into like such a creative state of like turmoil and mm. self-exploration which is beautiful because it turned into music um but it almost killed me so it's like i have everything on the line here and I I feel so passionately for other musicians and like that's what I'm trying to do is like at first I was like it's my story you know it's about the music like listen to what happened to me and now it's like no like what about them what about all these people who haven't got to that point who haven't like actually like dove into their issues and tried to work it out not everybody's journey is going to look like mine everybody's different you know I come you know from crazy but <laughs> The lovely thing about that is when people come to me with their issues, it's like, I may not understand completely, but I know what it's like to hurt. And that's what I'm always trying to push through my music. That's what I'm trying to push through the way I do business. Everything is just like being genuine, building relationships and like being able to talk to people and be like, yo, like, I know, I know it hurts. I know it's hard. Let's talk about that. Let's create an environment where like, that's acceptable because evil hides, you know? And like the whole thing with Dear Demons is like, I love that the message behind it is just like, the way to deal with darkness is not to downplay it. The way to deal with darkness is not to pretend like it's not there or shut it out or anything. I mean, I've faced these things head on and I know how dangerous that is if you don't have like a positive force driving you and like, mm -hmm. You know, I start to get up in my head and like people might be tuning out at this point, like what the hell is she even talking about? But like, I don't know. It's like, I've, I've kind of let all that go. Some people are going to follow me and understand what I'm talking about and, it, it, and it'll help them. And some people aren't and that's okay because not everybody has gone through tragedy, but it, it's eventually going to hit everybody. And the way that you react to it is going to define your life. Your life is not defined by like your circumstances. It's the way you react to them and what I thought was the most forceful thing in my life in a negative direction ended up catapulting me forward and I'm just trying to be out here like putting out a message of that it's like the things that I thought were gonna kill me actually like pushed me forward hmm. and um, music is confusing my life is 
very different. Like I have side hustles so now. Like what I do for money is like I dog sit and I like go to people's houses and cut their hair and you know, I do cosmetology work on the side. Um, and then all of that money goes to paying my rent at my studio space that we work out of because we were really blessed to be able to have like a studio that we work out of. Um, and um, the rest of it goes towards the band. I put my money into the band. I'm like, sometimes I have money from the band to put back into the band, but most of the time it's just me putting money into this. And it's like, it, I feel that. Though. It's hard. I really feel that. It's hard. But it's like, money is not my motivation. And I feel like that's such a freeing thing. I'm putting my, my life into this because like, I believe in the concept of it. You know, people, every day, people give their lives to like, lives they don't want to have, you know, they sit in an office and like, I deal with people all the time. I love getting to the root of like, what's your passion? What do you want to do? If you didn't do what you do, like what, if you had like all the money in the world, what would you do? I love asking people that question because most people don't have the freedom to ask themselves that ever. They don't feel like they are entitled to that idea. No, I completely agree. And I've, now that I put out Dear Demons and I'm on this road of like self-exploration and like trying to get into other people's heads I'm like I ask that and a lot of times people have these like crazy cool ideas and it's like the biggest reason that most people aren't able to achieve them isn't because they don't have the resources it's because they don't want to sacrifice their lifestyle that they currently hold so like I have a lot of friends who you know they want to start up this business and they could start up that business if they would like move into a cheaper apartment, get a couple of roommates and start doing the damn thing. But it's like, it's so funny that like the motivation for a lot of people's lives is just to hold up this lifestyle that's like, they don't even really like. Well, I think a lot of people are stuck on inside of the chains, the chains of impressions. Yeah. Like, you know, for your situation in particular, I mean... You weren't necessarily under the chain of like your father's impression of what you're gonna do because yeah. you don't give a fuck anymore. Exactly. And then I don't know what's your relation with your mother, but it seems like she supports what you yeah. do. So I mean, you have those you have those two things, and I think it's really difficult for a lot of people to sort of like. And that's so to true. Let, to let go of like the chains of impressions. I mean, yeah. that's the only reason I'm able to chase my dreams because yeah. my parents support me. Yeah. You know, there was a while where I didn't feel like they supported me at all, and I had completely different goals. Yeah. Like. You know, I was going to do do the Air Force for a little bit, get yeah. out, and then keep doing music. Mm-hmm. But instead, I decided to go music full-time just because I figured out that they, like, weren't going to be disappointed in me. Right. And I think a lot of people don't, like, a lot of people raising kids for this generation don't understand that, like, passion kind of overrules now and it kind of yeah. needs to for people to be happy. You can't just chase dollars right. for your whole entire existence anymore. It seems weird there's too many people not doing that mm-hmm. and you see it for you mm-hmm. for people to be stuck in that realm because it used to just be you know tv screen folk yeah as it would be you know like yeah. oh the big screen people yeah and now it's like oh wait i know people that went to the big screen now it's like oh wait can i do that yeah and it's just it's so i, I think it's now. a lot more complex yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's easy to just be like all right i have a passion no, I'm absolutely do that not. Now it's hard. You, have, you to have, have to have that driving force, and like I don't sit up here on my high horse and yeah. say that one day, like that's why I say, like there was never one day that I was like I'm gonna pursue music. It was like my biggest thing was like I'm gonna pursue 
something that's beyond me. Mm-hmm. I gave up, like, myself. I, I wasn't, like... There's, like, a huge cultural thing of, like, follow your dreams. Like, you know, do what makes you happy. And, like, I was, like, I want to move beyond happiness. Like, that's not fulfillment. Happiness isn't fulfillment. And, like, I just wanted to, like, find that thing. And through, like, a lot of pain and turmoil, I found that thing. <laughs> and I'm, I don't think it's something that we can come to without a higher power having a say in it. So I was kind of curious uh, when it comes to like your writing process. So do you like, do you sit down and like write out your ideas prior to writing your song? Do you write this? Do you write the lyrics first prior to yeah. the instrumentals, the instrumental built, and then you write around it? So it's been fun. Um, when our writing process has kind of always changed, I don't really keep to one specific way. That's how I am as a person. I'm not um, organized. <laughs> so when I the writing dynamic before was a little bit different because we had um, different members. So there was a lot of tension that started building because we wrote songs as a band. And then it got to the point where it was like, we don't all have the time to be getting in a room with the four of us and like sitting down and fleshing songs out. Um, Because creative energy is not something that you can see or understand. I mean, it's just a feeling. Um, The creative process is like, difficult so what had happened is I write a lot of specs which I don't know if that's the correct terminology but basically I will come up with a melody and a verse and sometimes a chorus I don't usually finish songs on my own you know people are like oh I had this moment of inspiration I just wrote a whole song it's like I work off of vibes I work off of feelings and I know that my guys um are light years away from me instrumentally um they're so talented when it comes to like composing um especially the guy who does like the recording Mm -hmm. um michael he owns a studio that we all work out of called mars and he can compose entire songs um so what i would do um when i started writing more rapidly is i would bring him a spec and then we would sit down and he would compose the whole thing and he is like a magician with this stuff you know he just he gets in his zone and he, I'll just give him something and then he creates this whole thing and it's like, okay, there's a song. Wow. And um, so then we would bring it to the band. Some tension started rising up, like, oh, you guys can do this on your own. Like, what are we here for? Like, are we just a backup band, you know? And it was like, no, you can like write your own parts around this, but like, they better be better than what he wrote because if what he wrote's better, like, it's not an emotional thing. Like, whoever has the better idea wins. It's always been our philosophy in the band a little uncomfortable for the guys because I know bands that like the bass guy writes the bass parts and the guitar guy writes the guitar parts it's not how it is with us if mm. you can write a part then you write it so everyone has stakes in the mm-hmm. in the individual sort of elements yeah. of it wow, and that's, so, that's different yeah it is different so basically what had happened is I was basically writing I would create the spec I would bring it to Michael we would do the whole thing in the studio make the whole song and it was like here's the song and before it was like, I would bring an idea to the, um, to the practice phase and we'd flesh through it. It's messy. It's cool. But like, because I'm so like feeling oriented, it's overwhelming for me to be in, in real time sitting in a studio space as we're like creating the music. It's easier oh, I feel for that. me. Yeah. So, I like, personally feel that as well. Like I, when I write, I'm alone. Yeah. Usually. And when you're like bringing a whole band into it 
so many different ideas are coming out and like I feed off of other people's energy like crazy. So somebody would feel very passionately about something and I'm very direct and I, I try to control it but when I'm in a writing session, 90% of the time my eyes are pointed up. I'm not even looking at people when I'm talking because I'm literally visualizing music. <laughs> like I can't do what they're doing but I can see it. Mm -hmm. um, so when we were in a practice space, it was more difficult because they would have to play. I'd be like, oh, I like that. Can you play that again? As opposed to being in the studio where it's like, let's just play that track back. You know what? Let's move that around. It's, it's so much more efficient. And it's so much easier for me because I'm not an organized person. So that's the way that we were handling things is in the studio. Michael and I were writing. We were creating the songs. Then we were bringing it to the band. And then we would learn it and go into the, you know... There were times we would write the whole damn song and we would have to learn it, <laughs> you know? That was a that was a big transition. That's generally the way we write. Um, hmm. When I brought on Michael Grenier, he is a keyboard player and he has like a lot more pop influence. So if you listen to Ghost of You, most of it is like hard rock. And um, we brought this pop guy on because he's an amazing keyboard player. And... Um, we started writing together a little bit. Um, and so I would bring him an idea and he would kind of play it on the keyboard. And so now we have like 10 like songs that we've just written on keyboard, which is like completely different. It's, it's not our gen, it's not what we normally do. Normally we sit in the studio, but now we're doing it more organically on a piano. So now we have like 10 ballads essentially. Mm -hmm. And now we're sitting on top of those and, um, so the writing process is just kind of like, whoever will sit down and write with me, uh, that's, that's how we do it. So Michael okay. Grenier, we write ballads together, um, but Michael Newmeyer or Rush, we sit down in the studio because that's his skill set, because that's the way that he thinks, that's the way that he creates. And so I can kind of sit in with anybody. I'm just, I'm melody and lyrical based. Um, so like, I'm looking for the vibe of a song. And I will be very direct when I do write music because I'm okay with it detouring from where it initially started because all of my music does that because I write acoustic songs a lot of the times. Um, but when I'm writing with them, I'm really trying to take... It, it's frustrating because I'm not as technical as them, so mm -hmm. I can't keep up. But it is good because it gives me a wider perspective of I don't care how this looks I, I want to see the big picture, like, is this working? And I can see that, whereas very technical people, it's like they're looking at things from a magnifying glass. I don't have the skill set to be able to do that, so all I have to work off of is big picture. Most listeners, that's how they see. So it kind of gives me, like, an advantage. Like, you have to play off of people's strengths, and that's mm -hmm. what we do, and that's why I love working with these guys because... It's a very respectful environment, and we all, like, when I sit in the writing room and I, if I say stop the track and I give an explanation of what I want to happen, there was a period of time in the band where it was like, that was considered disrespectful, um, because, like, you're hovering over somebody's idea, let them, like, finish it, or, you know, it's, like, just awkwardness, but now it's, like, it's okay to do that, it's okay, we have this freedom within each other to, like, express ideas and like that's where we're at now mm -hmm. um right now we're doing a whole remix version of dear demons because 
I told you that we're not touring, but I wanted to keep the music alive. Um, right now I'm working with Danny. We did a commentary video. So it's like a whole behind the scenes explaining what in, went into these songs. Um, and like self-exploration and where can we check that out when it comes out so it'll be all over social media i'm gonna be doing sponsored ads and everything else um cool yeah it's gonna i'm really gonna be pushing that because it's my heartstrings you know it's like my whole motive for this whole release is um getting getting that story out um but now it's been interesting working in the studio with the guys because we're remixing like all the songs and it's just I've, I never thought we were going to do that, um, but we got a hold of, like, a producer. We were part of, like, this art commune called, like, uh, Milo, um, and it's, like, Milo Arts. Oh. Yeah. They did, That's um, why you were at that event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freak show. Yes. That was a pretty cool event. It was pretty cool. It's a pretty cool X. Um, yeah. Black Ra- Swan was killer. They, yes. They did so good. They were really good. They that did was so good. Yeah, so, like... Milo, it's kind of interesting. They're like, it's an old school that they've converted into studios for different artists to work out of. And in the bottom level, they have a gym and it has a stage and they're trying to put on events there now. Um, And it's right next to the studio that we're working out of right now. Um, So we're working with Gino Bambino um, and he has a studio in there and... um, He's kind of stepped into these songs, and they're just completely different. We're taking the songs, and we're putting a new light on them, because like I said, we're not doing the touring. So I was like, well, we have to do something, because it would feel... I haven't gone this far on this, like, journey to just, okay, we put out Dear Demons, here's our new single. You know, I want to keep it alive. I want people to understand. Um the intention behind it so we're doing the commentary video we're remixing the songs um you know that's where michael Graney has been like a huge asset um because he hears like more of the poppy synthy stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so we've been working with him and um gino works with like a lot of different genres of artists and he's been uh, he's been sitting in on almost every studio session that we've had and we're getting together twice a week and we've Damn. been getting together twice a week for since um, since we put out Dear Demons, um, and it's like we we've never written together as a band because all these people are new, and it's just funny being in this like completely different studio environment because it's different for my guys. They've never done like quite this level of studio work, but we're all learning to write together a completely different type of music. This isn't rock music. I mean, there's like rock elements, but really this is like, there's like dubstep in it. There's Mm. like, um, electronic elements, there's pop element. I mean, this is like a little medley of like all kinds of stuff, which is what music overall is just transitioning into. It's like every genre accumulating into one. Yeah. There's there's no sounds anymore. It's like no genre anymore. It's It's like Spotify streams, right? Like it's like Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody cares. Why would I box myself in if I don't have a label? What are my advantages? I mean, because I genres were just made. Genres were just made by mm-hmm. by labels. I mean, yeah, the whole exactly. idea of a genre was yeah. made by labels yeah. to organize the acts that they were trying to get. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting. Genres this, aren't real. Yeah, no, they're <laughs> not. They're not. And it's like 
most musicians like are able to play lots of different things. They just choose to do it and there's respect to that and like it's not like we're gonna be all over the place and put out a jazz album next. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're gonna go back to our roots, but it, I wouldn't mind if you did that, though. <laughs> I love jazz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As a sidebar, love jazz. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting because as I'm writing with Michael Granier, these more pop-influenced songs, which is exciting because we have like 10 of them. We've never taken them to the full band. They're going to completely morph into something we don't even know. Um, we're like creating this like really weird, like reimagined synth pop weirdness and we've never written like a song together it was funny last night we were like it's funny because like we don't even take this music seriously we're like oh these aren't our real songs these aren't real and it's like why it's our music we're doing it like yeah it's reimagined but like we're like i can't wait to like be writing like our music again it's like we don't even like it's so weird that like we aren't even able to like own this as mm. our own because mm. it's like different than our genre oh yeah and so i'm there's a lot of debate on whether or not we are going to do this because mo- it's just it's so difficult to branch out from like what you do especially when you're remixing your own songs you're not like taking it to like somebody else and having like the taiko remix or yeah, whatever you know yeah, it's like yeah, no yeah, we're yeah. doing this um but i'm excited because i think I'm seeing the dots kind of connect and I'm like, what we put out next is going to be a merger of this harder rock, of this pop, of this synth, like all of this is just going to like feed into it. I think it's no mistake now that we're actually committed to it, which I was, like I said, I was going back and forth. I was like, we're going to do this. All the guys were like, Kenzie, like the guys just joined the band (laughs) and now we're doing synth weird stuff and they're like I joined a rock band and now we're doing like weird pop synth and I'm just like yep yep sorry that's what we're doing that's what we're doing right now (laughs) and um I think it's gonna be really cool because they've been focusing so intensely on this while not totally understanding it and then we're gonna go into rock music something that they have full understanding of and now we have these elements that we get to push into that and like that's what we're trying to do like with our next single that we put out is going to be like what you hear in the remix there's going to be aspects of that so when people hear these remixes they're called remixes for a reason that's not the direction we're going towards hmm. um this is like intentional we want to keep dear demons alive we with the commentary video that comes out we want to continue to like have fresh content um that's the whole idea behind the remixes but there's like a new cause of like a new effect that's happening, which is like, this is going to change the way that we write as a band because we've never written a rock song with the five of us. They've just been playing what we've already created. And now we have this influence of pop that we've forced them into and they're gonna carry that into like what we do next. And it's just, it's really neat. It's really neat to see like, to have total control over it, to be calling shots that you're unsure of. And then like, I'm constantly trying to connect the dots with anything in my life to a fault. And I'm like, okay, now I kind of see, I kind of see what we're going to do next. And it's really exciting. That's the beautiful thing about independent music is like being able to like be moving forward by like your, your gut feeling Mm -hmm. 
and this was a gut feeling. We were supposed to do an acoustic album. That was what we went into the studio to do. We sat down. First song that we put out, I listened back to it, and I was like, when you do a hard rock album, things hit, things are exciting, and then you have, like, this acoustic song, and I was just like, no. I was like, it's just not, it's not doing what I want it to do. And it was like a vibe thing, 100% a vibe thing. So I said, let's do an electric piano. And then it turned into like, Gino came over to look, he came over because he lives, his studio is walking distance to our studio on the block because we're all part of the Milo Arts thing. So he walked over and he was literally coming to look at um, this like piece of furniture that I was trying to like get out of the studio <laughs> to put in his studio, he just moved in. And then he just sits in on the session and then this whole crazy reimagined thing happened. Where it was like, no, we're doing like this like crazy synth work and like Michael is like completely out of his element doing like weird dub noises and like <laughs> we're like at the end of it we all kind of sat back and it was just like holy crap, we're gonna do this. And after that session we came back and we had a long conversation of like, do we wanna do this? Do we want to like remix these songs and like it's a risk you know because we don't know how people are going to react they might be like hello luna this isn't your sound what do you do like people get elitist you know in any scene but that's one of the things i'm trying to fight against i hate that shit. i hate when people are like this type of music is better than this music or i'll listen to this music but i won't listen to this music it's like what are you trying to get out of music? Like, this is like a sacred art like, form. It's like, like, <laughs> like tribalism. Yeah, it's like... I, and, I, and I was just like... At the time, I wouldn't have been able to, like, put these words into, like, this type of meaning. But it was just like a sense of, like, this is our music and we're allowed to do what we want with it. And, like, this is... We're going to do this reimagined album because it's organic and it's just kind of morphed into this. So I have this stack of... Um, I have, like, a guitar bench in our studio to, like, do work and whatever. And, like, I have this stack of magazines from, like, I don't know, geez, like really old, like, 2000s, <laughs> um, like, early 2000s. And I don't know what made me do it, but we were just sitting in the studio. We're in there for hours, okay? Like, sometimes I go in there at 2 and we're there till like, 12 a.m. Um... So I was looking through and I opened up to this article on Rogue Wave from like oh, 2000-something, like early 2000s. And it said, I don't know what made me read it, but it said, yeah, our next album, we want to do like a little bit of everything. So we're going to do like, we're going to take a song and we're going to make an acoustic version, an electronic version. And I'll never forget just being like, this was about the time that we were all debating, do we want to do this? And I just brought it to the band. I was like, yo, look at this. And they were like, what? Where did you find that? I was like, in this random stack of magazines, I just opened this page and like, I swear, like read this. And they were all just like, and then it was just like, there was no more conversations. Like, okay, we're doing it. Like, and it's just been super tight. Like to be able to like work like that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the more that I like talk to Thomas, the more I kind of realize like, that's what it is. Don't make it, like, this whole, like, planned out thing. Like, there is no rhyme or reason to the way that things are done in this industry. 
There is to, like, a certain extent, but, like, there is, like, a lot of, like, motive behind just, like, feeling. And it's, you can't suck that out of it. You can't suck out, like, as dumb as it is, like, a magazine clipping is going to be the deciding factor (laughs) on whether or not we do this, like, dear demons thing or not. It's, like, it's just as real as anything else, you know? And working with the guys and, like, having that, like, organic energy is, like, such a positive force and it's allowed us to be like more creative and more like chill about things because it's not like we're doing this because the business says that we should you know it makes sense rationally and like we're not making dumb decisions but sometimes it's like you don't know what to do yeah you don't know what to do there's nobody telling you what there's no label there's no manager telling you this is the next step you have to get creative you have to think everybody is putting out awesome music how are you yeah. going to make your stand out? Not by making the best music. I'm sorry. <laughs> nope. There's a lot of yeah. good artists that get zero recognition who have under a thousand plays on Spotify. And it's not because they're not good. It's because they don't know how to get on playlists. They don't know how to do like, and it's like, there is no, there is no clear set path on how to reach whatever it is you're reaching. And what path can our listeners take to find your music? Oh. Comes out like, uh, uh, uh. We're on we're on everything. Yeah, he is good. Uh, <laughs> so generally we put our link tree everywhere, which will take you to Spotify, YouTube, um, Apple Music, wherever you consume music. I mean we go through C D baby, so it pumps it cool. out to everything. I'm about that. Um I think the only thing that we're not on is like Pandora because like they're weird. Yeah. I don't know why. Weird policies over Yeah, like this sure kid put you on Pandora. Really? Yeah, but Pandora is, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of dying, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. Like I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know anyone personally yeah. that is like, I'm going to put on my Pandora real quick. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, I have less options. Like, why <laughs> in like an age of like having limitless options would be like, I turn on like Spotify curated like radio all the time, but like, I want to be able to listen to my jams when yeah. I want to. What are these remixes coming up? Um, so there hasn't been like a solidified date yet. Okay. Um, it's actually right now we're kind of hinging it on when we get um, the commentary video back. Cool. We're gonna set like a firm date. Um, so everything's kind of up in the air right now. Cool. Um, it's likely going to come out before the spring but we can't oh, attach a date to it until we have the commentary because the way that the it's all set up is that the commentary video is going to come out. People can learn more about what the EP is and what it's all about. And then we're going to have these remix songs that come out um, following that. And then we're going to come out with our new single on um, the spring. Cool. So that's kind of the progression of the way things are moving forward. Wow. Well, cool. Yeah. Do you have any last minute shout outs to make before we wrap up? Yeah, so if you guys are interested, we have, um, we manage basically off of our social media. So it's at Hello Luna Band um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can find us on YouTube. That music video that we put out is near and dear to my heart. It's um, for Sympathize, which is one mm-hmm. of the most, um, 
it was like a breakthrough song for me when I really started like getting help mentally for that, the situation. That mm-hmm. chorus is stuck in my head constantly. Good. I want you to know that. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I showed it to my dad too and that's my girlfriend. Awesome. Like everybody I've showed it to has loved it. So oh, that's really cool. That, that yeah. makes me super happy to hear. Yeah, no, Actually no. tonight, um, it's not going to be helpful for them because when this comes out, it'll be <laughs> over. But there's this event called Columbus Covers Columbus. Yeah, yeah. And um, heard about this. Actually. Two of the bands are actually covering our songs, and tonight um, they're covering Sympathize. It, it was uh, Forever Unknown, right? Yes. That's who's doing it. Yeah, I saw yeah. you post about that. That's super yeah, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So she's like a, a younger, um, it's like a female fronted band, and yeah. um, she like wrote this really long thing on Facebook explaining like what the song meant to her, and like wow. we were put on a bill together, like like a year and a half ago maybe I, something like that and um, they were opening up the show and we were like um direct support for like this band that now their ep and i didn't think anything of it i didn't talk to her or nothing like that and um she put out this thing that was just like you know essentially it was like i saw that i can be feminine in like a boys club That's and cool. it was just like <laughs> That's what's up. That's what I'm trying to do. That's like the nice. And it it just it really validated like what I'm trying to do is happening. And yeah, I'm not my I'm not making my income based off of what I'm doing right now, but all the other important stuff is happening. And that just makes me super stoked. So like the guys and I, like, we don't get together much outside of the studio because we see so much of each other. It's like, I love yeah. them, but, like, we got to have our lives, too. Yeah. So tonight, we're all getting together, and we're going out to oh. um, see that. And it's like, what? It's it's really neat. Columbus's environment is, like, the music scene is really supportive. And, you know, it's it's exciting to see to see validation like that. You know, I it's beyond, like, what, what I would expect. And... Yeah, we feel super lucky. Um, Columbus, please go check out their music. <laughs> yes. It's super cool. Love yeah. their music videos. Thank all you that. so much. Thank um, you so much. We're going to go ahead and wrap up for this week. Uh, I have a couple quick announcements, quick notes to make at the end here. This episode is going out on February 5th. Sweet. Um, February 6th is our one-year anniversary of doing the show, officially. Um, so come to our party. Uh, we're having a party on leap day, February 29th. It's going to be at Wild Goose Creative uh, from 7 to 10 p.m. We are featuring musical acts such as Omega Rift. I'll be performing. Woo! Oh, yeah. He's yes! going to be great. Uh, that Boy Jones, he's going to be performing. Elle's going to be there. And Zay Crypto himself is going to be performing at least mm-hmm. one song. It'll be his first performance ever. So Ooh, please come exciting. out to that. And... My favorite part of the evening, personally, is that there is going to be a roast of me, the host of Gab Street, <laughs> that night. So there is a roast sign-up sheet that is in Google Forms on our link tree. Go ahead and do that uh, and come join us to celebrate. Um, it's, it's BYOB as well, and uh, we, aren't, we aren't providing you know, uh, gourmet anything, so bring snacks, bring food, whatever you want, but uh, it's going to be a good evening. So. Uh, thank you for listening this week. Thank you so much for making the time in your busy schedule to come yeah, out and no, talk I with us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys so much for thank, having me. Thank you for sharing everything that yeah, you've yeah, I think people are going to get a lot out of this. <laughs> I, I agree. I really, I really do. do. I really do. appreciate that. Yeah, I feel super lucky to be on here. So. Yeah. We will catch you next Wednesday morning, just as we do every single Wednesday morning. Thank you for listening this week, pedestrians. I will see you in the